0: everybody. Okay now uh, one of the things I do love about coming here with pastor and, and you guys is I can do things I can't do other places which just kind of just jump into something so uh, I always make this statement and I mean this sincerely if I never got to see you again this would be the this would be the one last thing I'd want to leave with you because you think man you know you don't want to just gum flap people I want to gum flap you I want to leave you with something you could use so I'm all told you know tell you kids like you know if I don't see you again, make sure you do this make sure you do this so I'm going to give you just a few scriptures to jump into this thing. This is stuff that I've, I really believe in this and cover with my kids. Matthew chapter 8, I'll give you a couple things here just to show what Jesus is doing because God's always trying to help us. And uh, <clears throat> prayer, so I always tell my kids prayer. Prayer's not a religious thing you do, it's a legal thing you do. You've got to make sure you do it. Now this is a very familiar passage in Matthew chapter 8. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'm going to jump in at um, verse 5. This is about the Roman centurion. I'm just going to show you something It's real, real fascinating. Uh, Verse 5, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I need only to say go and they go or come and they come. If I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. You will not read that anywhere else in the New Testament. It's the only place you'll read it. Jesus, the son of God who walked on the water and raised the dead, said, I'm amazed. So Jesus was amazed, turning to those who were following him. He said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Everybody say that same hour. Many people believe you you have to pray a long time to get something to happen. Now that's not true. Now when we pray there there are things going on. There are two kingdoms. God's kingdom, the devil. They're fighting against each other. They're angels. They're demons. When you pray, you're allowing God to get involved in your life. Now, when we talked this morning, we talked about 2 Kings. Hezekiah came before God and said, man, the king of Assyria and Necroft is attacking me. Here's what he said. He comes to the temple. He lays it right in front of the presence of God. This is what they said. Now, this is who you are. This is what you do. This is what you said. Here's what they said. He brought those two things together. Isaiah sends word and says, the Lord has heard your prayer. And he's still in the temple. The Lord has heard your prayer. And here's what God says about him. You go to chapter 20 in Hezekiah after getting through this process. He gets very sick. Now, this is a man who's trying to serve God and honor God. And said all good things about him. If you read in chapter 18, there's a long list of all the good things King Hezekiah is doing and is trying to do. And people all the time try to confuse God. Well, What's God trying to do? Well, God's trying to love you and heal you and bless you. The devil's trying to steal, kill, and destroy One of the most basic things that the local church is supposed to do is explain to people what's going on. Do not confuse God with the devil. One's good, one's bad. Heaven, hell. Good, bad. Life, death. Real simple. Don't confuse those things. And I don't know how many people try to blame God for bad stuff. God doesn't do bad stuff. God does good stuff. God is good. He's the only thing that is good. So, whatever you're going through, you realize, what is this? I don't know, but it's not good. And it said, God. Now, I am God's child. I am his sheep. I will hear his voice. And sometimes I tell my kids, you need to say that a lot. Father, I thank you. I'm your sheep. You're my shepherd. I hear your voice. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. I know what to do every day of my life. I get up in the morning, God's going to talk to me. He said he'd talk to me early in the morning. So, evidently, he does. You don't have to strain at it. It's what he does. Second Kings 20, though, he's sick. He's dying. Isaiah, the prophet, who heard his prayer, God said, go tell him I've heard his prayer. All righty. All of a sudden, God tells Isaiah, go tell Hezekiah he's dying. Get his house in order. He's sick and he's going to die. Well, God doesn't lie. Hezekiah, Isaiah hadn't lied. Hey, Hezekiah, I just heard God he say, get your house in order. You're dying. You're coming home. Immediately, Hezekiah turns his face toward the wall. While he's laying on his bed sick, begins to pray. Isaiah leaves the house. He's heading out of the house, walking through the courtyard. He's not left the building yet. He's going, I built the building. But he's not left the yard. He's in the yard. He's walking out. As I, he's leaving, God says, hey, I need you to go back and, and talk to him. What? Yeah, he's prayed. Go back, tell him he has 15 more years. Because Hezekiah prayed the minute he got a bad word from God. You're dying. You're coming home. Get your house together. Well, I don't want to die. I want to live longer. And he starts praying. And God says, okay. Throughout the New Testament, one thing I learned in intercession prayer in 10 years People cannot understand the simplicity and the goodness of God. This is not trying to pull a nail out of an oak board. God's real stinking good. He just needs some faith to work with. Without faith, Hebrews says, I can't please God. What's faith? God, I'm going to quote your word. I didn't say this. I didn't invent this. I didn't think this up. I'm just telling you what you said. You said that my seed, my children will be mighty upon this planet. I don't care if they flunked the for two years in a row. I don't care if they can't walk and chew gum at the same time. I don't care if they can't carry a tune in an oak bucket. My seed, you promise because I fear you, not because they're good. Because I fear you, promised me my seed will be mighty upon this planet. Wealth and riches will be in our house and our righteousness will endure forever. You either lied or you told the truth. I didn't vent fearing you. You drew me out of your goodness. I ask you, please, Father, Psalm 311, teach me to fear you. I pray it every day. Now, I'm not perfect, but I'm not stupid either. Father, I give you permission. Teach me, Sarah, Jessica, Corey, Tess, and John. Denise and I teach us to fear you for the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. With that wisdom, Proverbs 3, 16, comes long life, riches, and honor. What are you getting? I'm getting what the world's chasing. The world's trying to live long, trying to get blessed, trying to get famous. I don't need to. God's already promised that if I get him. So I got to teach my kids to chase God. He's going to give you all these things. So as you go through the Bible, you realize God answers prayer, but if you're not praying, he doesn't answer. But when I ask, I have to ask according to his will, which means I need to quote some scripture to them. I've got to give them something to work with. James chapter 5, look at this, it's real good. I don't like this one. Uh, <clears throat> you know, one of the things years ago when we were working with uh, young people, you start throwing scriptures at them, they just sort of just look at you funny. And I said, you know, have you not ever read your Bible? What, so you not ever read your Bible? Yeah, well, what part have you read? look at this, in James chapter 5, verse 13, because this is my family when they call. Are you suffering hardships? Well, sure. Who isn't? Tests and trials of life come to everybody. Economy things, job things, transmission leaking, refrigerator door won't stay shut, dryer's not working. You know, you know my kid just broke three teeth in the baseball game. How am I going to get that fixed we don't have any dental insurance? Tests and trials of life, boom, boom, well, boom, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to have to start saying what God says, Father, I thank you. You promised me. You'd supply all my needs. Yeah, but you've been stupid. Well, I repent if I've been stupid. Forgive me for being stupid. Now you need to supply all my needs. Well, I should have been doing better. I should have been doing it, but I ask you to forgive me. I'm washed clean by the blood of Jesus. I want you to supply all my needs. Because the devil's the accuser of the brethren. He'll hold your faith at bay, making you feel good that you haven't done better than you've done. Well, that's what I love about the blood of Jesus. I've been redeemed from all that. I can repent really quick. Really quick. And God promised to forgive me. I can run boldly to the throne of grace to get mercy and help. When's mercy? I need mercy only one time. When I have premeditated sinned on purpose. That's what mercy What's mercy? I don't deserve it. Blind man, mercy son of David. Have mercy. And he knows something. He's outside the covenant. He doesn't deserve anything. But he knows God is a merciful God. God's mercies are new every morning. So what's the blind man? He doesn't yell for healing. He needs healing, but he doesn't yell that. He's real smart. He might be blind, but he's not stupid. He hears Jesus is walking about, and he's screaming, Mercy, son of David, have mercy on me. And it stopped Jesus in his tracks. And he went and said, What can I do for you, blind man, Lord, that I might receive my sight? And he got his eyeballs back. He didn't ask for healing. He asked for mercy. Did he deserve it? Nope. Had he earned it? Nope. Did he pay a lot of tithes and pray all the time? Not that I know of, but he did the one thing that touches the heart of God. Mercy, son of David. I don't deserve it, but I'm gonna ask for it because you are a merciful God. Your mercies are brand new every morning. We gotta get some boldness about us. We gotta be like a we gotta be like that prima donna kid. Everybody's got one of those. You know, who is You're just special. What made Jesus thinking special? I was the firstborn. I'm just loved. My oldest daughter's that way. I've got six kids. I love them all. She's kind of the prima donna. She really doesn't ask for stuff anymore. She just comes and gets it. <laughs> and it doesn't bother her. What? Where's my truck? I needed it. Well, did you ask? Well, did I need to? it would be good. Just so I know where it is and it's not stolen. Did you get some money out of my account? Yes. Why? I needed it. Oh, okay. Oh, we'd appreciate it if you asked, though. And her other siblings are angry at her most of the time. Like, why do you get everything? Well, because she just thinks she's, she can come get it. She thinks it's normal. She's not manipulating. She's not lying. She thinks it's normal to come get stuff. I'm going to come get your truck. I'm going to get your piano and your furniture. And my new leather couch is in her living room right now that was wrapped up to come in my house. I'm not making that up. I'm not making that up. That's a nice couch. I just not thought of it. I had stored it in the garage because I hadn't had time to take it out of the house. And I come to get it, and it's like, where's my couch? Her old couch is in the garage. Where's my new couch? I'm walking in her living room, it's like, it's really nice with double recliners on both sides, built into the couch, leather, really nice. A nice couch. And I said, why is this in your living room? Well, you weren't using it. (laughs) Do you want it right now? Well, not now. I can't get it today. Well, we're just going to be sitting in it. It's still there. It's been there a, a year. You don't get that kind of attitude. You don't get anything from God. You've got to have a bold attitude. Whatever God got from me is mine. Now, if you don't want me to have it, you better tell me. Otherwise, I'm coming after it. Just <laughs> a thought. James 5, 13. Are you suffering hardships? Then you should pray. Well, doesn't God know I'm suffering? Yes. Is God stupid, blind, deaf, and dumb? No. Well, if he knows I'm suffering, why won't he help me? He can't. It's not legal. You have to pray. I say it again what I said this morning. You have it because you asked not. I know what you need. Well, if you're so loving, why don't you do it? It's not legal. I could only do what you asked me to do. I don't know how many times I'm going to say this. There's a world waiting on you right now. But you've got to go get it. God gave the promised land to Israel. The problem is they wasted 400 years before they went and took it. In the meantime... The devil, who's a thief, moved giants into the land. So God told him, well, you ready to go get it? Joshua's standing on the river like, well, there's some big ugly people. They're living in my land, 10 foot, 2 inches tall, 6 fingers, 6 toes, and bad breath. There are ugly people in my land, God. Yeah, but that's your land. Yeah, but there's some ugly people there. Yeah, but that's your land. I need you to go get it. Can you run them out? No, that's not my job. That's your job. Get your sword out of your sheath and go run them out you got to be kidding, huh? And the longer you wait, the more big, ugly people will move in and take it. The devil's a thief. The devil didn't bring normal people into the promised land. He brought big, nasty, ugly people into the promised land. He's a scary thief. The Bible says that the devil will flee in sheer terror if I'll resist him in faith. Eventually, sometimes, I know in my life, sometimes you have to get beat up so bad And to the point where there's no more hope, you'll get up and do something. Instead of making excuses and religious statements, maybe I need to start believing God. Sounds like a good time. You should pray. Are any of you happy? Well, you should sing. Are you sick? Call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anointing with oil in the name of the Lord, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. <laughs> Ain't that a good list? That ought to be on the refrigerator. What do I need to do? Well, I need to pray and get happy and lay some hands on some people. Verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. And you will be healed. Awful lot of praying going on. Why? Does God not know I'm sick? Does he not know I'm poor? Does God not know I'm sick? Uh-huh. What? He can't do it if you don't ask him. Prayer is not a religious thing. It's a legal thing. Say that. Say that. Would you say that? Say prayer is not a religious thing. It's a legal thing. I don't believe you. That's good. I learned something. The earnest prayer, watch this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Well, kumbaya. Elijah was human just as we are, yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed again, and the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Pray, 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 pray. pray. If I'm not praying, I'm griping. If I'm not praying, I'm telling you what's not working, what's not going good, what's not happening right, who's not fair, how it should have been, what should have happened, who should have said. If I'm not praying, I'm a thumb sucker. I'm only one of two directions. I'm moving toward God praying or I'm griping, running away from him. That's a bad place to be because the devil inhabits gripes. I want God to inhabit praises. We've got to learn something. We're in for the greatest decade, but God says, I need you to work with me here. Give me something to work with. I need you to pray. Look at this. I love this. and I'm going to read this thing. I did this briefly at the financial seminar, but this is, uh, this, is, this is Joe. This is part of the book I told you that I gave my kids. This is part of it right here. This is a different part. This, I just did two ministers conferences, so these are the ones I pulled out of the confession book for them. It's a real basic thing. For example, the very first page of all these books is on confession. Now, look at this. You can download this off my website for free. So. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. We've got to stop talking stupid. People, have, people all the time tell us especially, oh, you're one of that name it and claim it. No, I'm one of them say it and get it. <laughs> I don't know what part of this. Proverbs twenty one twenty three. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Kumbaya, that sounds good. Matthew 12, 37, by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. Whoa. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, Jesus said this, I say, whoever says to this mountain be thou removed and cast on the sea, does not doubt in his heart, believes that those things that he says shall come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Now maybe Jesus was just goofy that day. Maybe he had too much wine. Maybe he made that up. Maybe that's a miscalculated scripture. Maybe some goofy monk wrote that one day when he wasn't feeling good. Or maybe it's the truth. Just a thought. I I hung a bunch of tape recorders around my seniors' necks one year. 24 hours, collected a bunch of tape. None of them worked. Just the old cassette tape players. Put rope on it, handed it out to all my seniors. I said, I want you to put this around your neck. I want you to wear it for the next 24 hours. Don't take it off. Now, I can't follow you and make you do this. So I'm just asking you to do it. Put this around your neck. Take it home. Come back tomorrow with it. If you shower, shower with it. If you sleep, sleep with it. Keep this around your neck. When they came back the next day, because they're giggling, most of them didn't do it, but some did, they said, unless they lied. I don't know. It's between them and God. I said, now, if this thing had been working and recording for the last 24 hours, would you allow me to play this cassette back in front of everybody? Everything that's come out of your mouth for the last 24 hours in public, in private, would you let me play it for everybody? Of course, they look at you a minute and like, some said, yeah. Are you sure? Pretty sure. Are you real sure? I'm sort of sure. I mean, I might have said something stupid. I don't know. I mean, it's been a whole day. Really? So you might have said something stupid in a 24-hour period? What have you said in the last week? What about the last month? Because the Bible says... You and I will give an account of every idle word we speak. Angels are writing down everything that comes out of my mouth. It's in a book in heaven. It's on a bookshelf. If I don't repent over it, or if it's God and I keep confessing it, God said he'll watch over that to perform it. i got to make sure it's good. Let the the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let your yeas be yeas, your nays be nays, for all else proceed from the evil one. I'm either empowering the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of God with my mouth. God created heaven and earth with his words. It's not name and claim it, it's how the kingdom works. It's how marriages work. All marriages that end in divorce start, all divorce starts with words. All wars start with words. All fights start with words. All love starts with words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. you got to get it in you. you got to start saying what God says. Like this, James 3, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. It, it sets so among the members so much that it defiles the whole body. What defiles the body? The tongue. And sets on fire the course of nature. No man can tame the tongue for it is set on fire from hell itself. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. I tell people, you want a better life? Then let your mouth start saying what God says. I'm going to start saying what God says. You don't have a good thought, keep it inside. Just because a thought hit your brain doesn't mean it came from God. So this is all the things on confession. And then we got this. This is my own one right here, my daily confessions. You know, I start saying this. I like this. I'll just give you this. This is the one on the devil. Why would you put that in? It's up real close because I want to know who I'm fighting against. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Why? My adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him in the faith. What's the faith? Say what God says. How do I resist the devil? Say what God says about my family, about my business, about my life, about my health, my wealth, my teenagers, my kids. My God, nothing ever works out good for us. Well, go ahead. Get you a bucket load of that. This isn't name and claim. It's, there's so much scripture about this, it will bury you. I like this one, John ten ten. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. 2 Timothy says, You need to try to help these other people and see if they can escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Ephesians six sixteen. You need to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Oh, you've got to be kidding. No, that's why you use your field of. Shield of faith to stop the fiery darts aimed at you by Satan. What's he doing? He's throwing thoughts at me. What's a fiery dart? It's a thought. God says, you're going to be the head, not the tail. The devil says, you're going to be the tail, not the head. God says, a long life will not satisfy you. The devil said, you're going to die early just like your relatives. God said, the wealth and riches will be in the house. You ain't, going to have, you ain't going to have a house. I'm going to take your house away from you. Our life is a battle of words. Whose words are you going to believe? That's why Jesus went to his hometown and could not do any mighty work because they didn't believe he could. Are you with me? We're in for an incredible time. That's why you need to be in church, read your Bible, and say what that thing says. So anyway, I go through this thing, and then I realize something. Well, you know about the devil. Well, I whipped him. You know, he's going to burn forever. He's going to be cast down the dirt. He's going to burn forever in the big lake of fire, and I just remind him that of sometime. Really, you ever had times when your mind's just running with you? Doesn't look good. I'm like, that's just the devil. What are you going to say? Devil, you're going to boil forever. Do you know that? I'm going to boil you. Boil. going to boil you. <laughs> just a fun thought. So here's the beginning of the book. I shared this financial seminar, but this trying to get to my kids because of what I believe here. God's watching over word. Are you praying the word or are you just grappling and complaining? Because you don't start praying, you're not going to be blessed. I need to start praying the word. Comes back to this right here. Comes back to a vision. Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, you perish. What are you doing? What are you going? It's the six-word thing again. Habakkuk 2, 2, write the vision. That's why I make my kids write down a five-year plan. Why? If you don't have a plan, you're not going anywhere. You're just grabbing about where you're not at. You're grabbing about, I don't have a raise. They're not ever going to give a raise. No, God said that wealth and riches will be in your house. But if you don't want a raise, stay poor. But they're not giving any raises. Well, it doesn't stay that way. i agree with you. Let me agree with you according to Matthew 18, 19. You're not going to get a raise because times are bad and nobody deserves a raise right now. It would not be right for you to get a raise and nobody else got one because it's a socialistic society. That is, unless you read your Bible, some got healed and some didn't. Some got blessed and some didn't. Who? The ones that believed. Sometimes you got to get very real with people. Like I said, I've got two relatives that have been healed of cancer. My daddy died of cancer. My mom's been healed of cancer. My sister's been healed of cancer. Uh, my son-in-law died of cancer. I come from big families? We won some, we lost some. Why'd you lose? I don't know. According to the word, you know, the devil, he doesn't play fair. He'll take you out. Faith's real important. What you feed on, what you think, what you believe. It's real important. <laughs> so you get a vision, you go get in the word of God. Wow, well, that's where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. What do you do after getting in the word? Well, you've got to start meditating in it. That I means watch what you think about. Don't go to bed late at night watching something stupid like late news. Hey, I want to watch 30 minutes of news before I go to sleep. Why? I'm going to dream about hell tonight. I want to dream about a bad economy and disease and famine and, you know, and I just want to dream about some bad stuff. Because the last thing you think about is what you dream about. When you get up in the morning, don't turn on the news. Read something in the scripture. Today's the day the Lord has made all rejoice and be glad in it. Ooh, have mercy. Start meditating. Why? Well, you'll do what you meditate on. After you meditate on that, then you get some plans. Why? Because I'm in the Word of God. I'm starting to think right. Proverbs 16, 3 and 9. Commit your works to God. He'll establish your thoughts. You make plans. God order your steps. What's going on today? I don't know, but God's ordered my steps because I belong to him. He's blessing me. I don't care what the boss said. I don't care what the newspaper said. I'm a blessed individual. I'm just a freak of nature. (laughs) This one's God expects increase. and You can't read that because people really get mad on this one. <laughs> You're supposed to be blessed. God, he blessed. You know Solomon had so much gold, he piled silver up outside like rocks. When you came into Jerusalem, what's all that stuff piled up? That's silver. What? Yeah, that's piles of silver. Piles of silver? Outside Jerusalem, huh? Why's it piled up? Because they got so much gold, they didn't have room for the silver. That's in the Bible. Jehoshaphat's minding his own business. He gets attacked one day. Jehoshaphat's a godly man. He's just had a revival in his whole country. Talked the Bible for a year all over the country. (laughs) He gets attacked. God make them go away. They won't go away. What? They won't go away. You have to go whip them. I don't want to fight anybody. We're going to have to. million-man army's attacking him. So he takes his 300,000. He goes, whips a million-man army. They're all laying there dead. John says, what do I do now? We'll get their stuff what? They're dead. Get their stuff. They're not going to use it. They're dead. Get their stuff and bring it home. Your kid. No. So he got all their stuff and brought it home. Well, they didn't have room to store it. You know, the attic's full, the garage is full, the metal building out back's full. And so long story short, he ended up building six cities to store his stuff in. Six cities, not storage buildings, not rooms, six cities. What's that city? I got stuff over there. What? Yeah, that's the city I store my stuff in. Your city? Yeah, it's a whole city. It's all my stuff. I don't have room for it at the house. Saw my stuff. It'd be like All Good bought Nashville. We're going to buy Nashville. Why? We can't keep our stuff in All Good. There's not room for it. We already got Knoxville. We got a bunch of stuff over there. and We're coming after Chattanooga next. You're laughing because it sounds so stupid, except it's in the Bible, it's a true story. God never got mad. How much stuff did he have? Well, so much, he had to build cities to put it in. God didn't care. I want you blessed. But if you don't believe that, I told you in the financial seminar the first of the year. Federal government did a study. Eighty-four percent of all people who win the lottery lose it in three years. If you have a $30,000 sold, you win $300 million dollars. In three years you'll go back to 30,000. A human will not allow themselves to make more money than they think they're worth. As a man thinks in his heart so is he. You don't care about getting rich. You're not taking it with you when you leave. You're leaving it behind for somebody else. So just be a good steward over while you're here. You know, God expects increase. And then you get down to this and thinking. Well, why? Well, I am what I think about. I need to cast down dumb thoughts. Cast down imaginations. What kind of imaginations? Imaginations that's going against the knowledge of God. I need to fix my thoughts on what's true and honorable. I need to keep my heart. I need to have the lips of knowledge. You know, it's like it goes through. I need to think right. Well, I can't think right if I'm not feeding on the right stuff. Then this last one is on diligence. It's on working. These are work scripts. Work is a four-letter word, but it's not a cuss word. Diligent hands bear rule. Diligent hands are made rich. (laughs) Those are real good ones. And yeah, that's why I tell my kids go to work. Make a lot of money. Why? It's biblical. So I come back to this. I tell my kids, if you're not praying, if you don't know what to pray about, so that's why I go back and make them do a five-year plan. Now, you know what you're praying about? Yes, what is it? Well, I believe it's God's will for my life. Wonderful. You believe God for God's will for your life. I tell them this is a dangerous thing right here. Now, I don't ever teach this one. This will be the first time I ever read this one public. This is my one on unbelief. The Bible has a lot to say about this. What you believe is important. You've got to guard your heart because what happens if you don't? Well, this happens right here. Matthew thirteen fifty-eight. Watch this. Jesus did not do many mighty works. Why? Their unbelief. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. You believe that? Well, I don't believe that. Well, good. Believe what you want. It's a free society. I think I'd rather believe that God's good, that God blesses, that God heals, that God brings peace, that I have sweet sleep when I go to sleep at night. David's been chased by a whole army of you. He slept real good in the cave. He had sweet sleep. Why? He knew God protected him. Well, that's in the Bible. Mark 6, 5. He could do no mighty works except that he healed a few sick people because of unbelief. Mark 9, 23. If you can believe, all things are possible to him. Believe him that believes. And meeting the father, of this child who sick cried out with tears, "Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief." And he did. <laughs> he even helped him with his unbelief. Mark sixteen. The Lord appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. They're hiding out because he's been killed on the cross. He walks through the wall. Jesus has just come out of the grave. You know, it's Easter. He's out. The boys are hiding in the upper room. My God, they're going to come get us next. They're going to nail us to the wood. We've been in a cult. I knew we'd been in a cult. <laughs> we thought he was somebody who got himself dead. Jesus raises from the dead, comes walking through the wall. He didn't even use the door. He just walked through the wall. Hey, it's like, it's like it was a shock. because Oh, my goodness, it's him. He's back and he walked through the wall. The first thing Jesus said when he walked through the wall, he rebuked them for their unbelief. <laughs> I'm back. You ignorant, unbelieving thingy, what's the matter with you? What? What's the matter with you? I don't know. It's the dying thing, the cross thing. You know, it kind of scared us. Remember when I was here back last uh, fall? Jesus tells the boys to go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. Been working all day. It's been a busy day. They don't have lunch. It's the first day on staff. (laughs) They're going across. The storm breaks out, and they think they're drowning. Now, Jesus is asleep, and he's passed out. He's exhausted. And they wake Jesus up in the middle of the storm. Boats sinking. Water's coming in. Wind. and they wake him up. Master cares not that we're going to perish. Like, what's the matter, you crazy religious, cultish guy? We're drowning up here. So Jesus sat up, woke up, looked over side, and he said, "Peace, be still." Or one translates, "Hush up, be quiet, and stay that way." And immediately, the Bible said, "The storm went." <clears throat> and then Jesus looked at him and says, "How come you didn't do that?" They said, "What? Why is it you didn't rebuke the storm?" Uh, well I'm not sure Uh, we've never done that before well trust me this is going to happen again you're going to learn how to do this Jesus got on to them because they had no faith to still the storm I love my family I cannot tell how sad it is when they call just got a report from the doctor I've got cancer now I know what the Bible says about healing but I can't just dump a whole seminar right on the phone so praise God I believe you're healed that won't float. So you kind of, kind of reach them where they are. You know, Paul said, you know, I'd like to give you some deep stuff, but you can't handle it. So I'm going to have to stick a bottle in your mouth right now. You can't handle what all the truth is. That's why you get to grow in God's grace and in his faith. It's like, well, you know what? I'm going to come visit you. I remember my aunt Nesbitt went in for the hospital in Nashville up here. We'd been there. We'd prayed with her. She's going in for some surgery and cancer. And we'd already prayed. So we're taking off and, uh, I don't know how far we got. Well, no, she's in Chattanooga. We're driving through Nashville and they called us. Joe, you got to get down here. She almost died in surgery. She almost died. Oh, dear God. Father in heaven, Jesus' name, praise God. We wheeled all the kids around, drove back to Chattanooga, drove to Memorial Hospital to get up there. She's in intensive care and got the tube down her nose. She's laying there. (laughs) You know, Aunt Nesbitt, I love her. She's mean as snot, but I love her. And so I'm in that room. Of course, my uncle, bless his heart, he's crying. My wife almost died. So it's all right. It's all right to go in there, intensive care. And she's coming to me. She looked up and she saw me and she calls me Joe Allen. Southern mothers give their kids two first names. I don't know why. Like they couldn't make their mind up. Like Billy Bob, Jimmy Ray, Joe Allen. Could you not just pick one name? <laughs> and so she went, oh, you Who know, else well, I said, I said, now shut up, Aunt Nancy? Shut up. Shut up. I told her to shut up. When she was there. I said, shut up. I said, listen, you're not gonna die. I'm gonna pray. You're gonna live. We're going to have to do some stuff here. You need to shut up, quit cussing out all the nurses because she can cuss a blue streak. She can out-cuss a sailor. That is a cussing machine. <laughs> Man, she can't, can't she? I mean, she is the most eloquent cusser I've ever heard, like, what <laughs> like. Well, she's cussing everybody out when she's saying, you got to quit cussing everybody. Shut your mouth, quit cussing. Now, I believe you're saved. You've been in church all your life. You're just not reading your Bible lately. And I just laid hands on them and I prayed for her. And I said, you just need to calm down and start treating people nice. And you're going to live and not die. We're going to get you out of here. Now, it took a year and a half to go through the whole process. It wasn't an in instant miracle healing. But she's home today and uh, <laughs> she's fine. She just went to the hospital about six weeks ago. Just got out last week because about a pneumonia. But she's home. She's healed. I thought I said, you're too mean to die Ness. this. You're tough. I love that about you. But I'm also praying for you because you need to get your life right and stuff. God answers prayer. God answers prayer. Catherine Kuhlman used to read her meetings and people got healed the most were the unbelievers. It was Christians she had a hard time getting healed. That was her story. Heathens get healed real easy. Got to watch your mind. That's why you got to be in the Word of God. Anyhow, the unbelief, says this, uh, 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 Romans chapter 4, it said don't be weak in faith. Don't be weak in faith. It said Abraham, even though he was old, God said you're going to be a father of many nations you got to be kidding. Oh, no. You're going to be a father of many nations. said, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Hebrews 3, beware, brethren, lest there be any evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. mm mm Unbelief is a critical thing. Watch what you think about. You know, the devil, he's real subtle. He didn't show up with horns and a pitchfork. He shows up with really stupid thoughts and ideas. Now, this is what I want to give you here. I love this story. Uh, we used to do this years ago on Mother's Day. My favorite mothers in the Bible. This is Salome, the mother of James and John. Now, just listen to this. Listen, there are many mothers in here tonight. I don't care what your kids are doing. I don't care what they've done. If they're still alive, there's still hope. Okay? Quit confessing. Well, they'll never change. It's too late now. It's never too late. It's never too late. God loves to show off. God's gaudy. Now look at this. Just to help you out. Look at this. Proverbs, Proverbs 1.8. My son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs 6.20. My son, keep your father's command. Do not forsake the law of your mother. Proverbs 29.15. The rod of reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Sometimes mother love means you got to tell him straight up what's going on. You don't really love you, but you're really stupid. I love you, but you're acting really crazy. I'm going to tell you the truth. I love you. I'm going to try to help you, but what you're doing is really dumb. I'm going to cut your life short if you don't quit that. Come here, and let me hug you. Proverbs 10:1 A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Proverbs 15:20 A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son despises his mother. And then Proverbs 23:25 Let your father and mother be glad, and let her who bore you rejoice. I told my kids, You're going to make your mother happy, real happy. Mom's going to be real happy. <laughs> now you can laugh, but I'm very serious. <laughs> I said, I pray the fear of God over you every day. Every day. God's coming. He's watching you. He knows what you're thinking. He's writing it down. Don't think stupid. It's going to cost you. Proverbs twenty-two six. How do we fix this? Well, here it is. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. Isaiah 54, 13, all of your children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall the peace and undisturbed composure of your children. I have people all the time, well, you know, I can't make my kids go to church. What? You can't make them go to church. Do they live with you? Yeah. Are they under 18? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can make them. if will throw a fit. We'll drag them in. Let them get real embarrassed. Scream, holler. We'll just have the ushers lay on you. You want to look stupid? I don't care. I'll embarrass you. You can't embarrass me. You've already embarrassed. My embarrassing cup is full. Come on in. (laughs) Deuteronomy 6.6. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in the house when you walk by the way. Oh, have mercy. Luke 6:40. Everyone who is perfectly trained will be just like their teacher. Oh, have mercy. Denise told me one time, I said, What's wrong with my kids? What's wrong with my kids? This is years ago. I've got better. I've still got a way to go, but I'm better. I said, what's wrong with my kids? She looked up. She said, go look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> and she wasn't mad. She said, go look in the mirror. They're just like you. Good measure. Press down. They're you. And I remember thinking, oh, dear God. Oh, dear God, we've got to work on some stuff. And I thought instead of working with my kids, they got to work on me. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 3, Children, obey your parents to the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Honor them. You don't have to obey them, but you at least honor them. Now, I'm talking about older kids. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it will be well with you and you live long. And then Colossians three twenty Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to God. So I went through and I said, You know, your job is to listen to your parents and do what they say. They're not perfect. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect parents. As a parent, I've had to repent and forgive. and Hey, Dad made a mistake. That was wrong. I remember I suspended my oldest daughter because she was a straight A student. She made a C in Algebra right at Christmas time, and I, I, I took her off the basketball team. She was captain of our basketball team. We're in the big tournament at Christmas time. I benched her. She's not playing basketball. I shouldn't have done it. It was wrong. It was too severe a punishment. She made a C. She didn't sin. She made a C. But I knew she could make a name. I said, You lazy. You don't want to study Algebra? I'll bench you. You think you like basketball? Sit down. I had my pastor come to me. What did you do? I benched my daughter. That's wrong. You have no right to say that. My kid, I know what they're capable of, and bless God, they're going to do it. Well, you know, the turnip didn't go good, and we lost. And my daughter didn't gripe. She didn't cuss. She didn't throw fit, She just sat there, and, and I realized two weeks later, I'd done something incredibly dumb. I said, I shouldn't have benched you. That was really stupid. You're a good kid. Okay. Go back and play now. Okay. Now, that was quick, except everybody knows. Who's that? That's Joe. Her from making a sea. What an idiot. <laughs> that drew big crowds to my parenting seminars. <laughs> We've all made mistakes. Now, listen to this. I want to just read these two just real quick. These are James and John, the sons of thunder. I'm just going to do the highlights of it, okay? Matthew 4, Jesus is walking down the seaside. I said this quickly this morning. He sees Zebedee and his sons, and there's James and John. And Peter said, boys, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And they left and they followed. Said uh, in uh, Mark chapter 3, Jesus goes up to the mountain, picks 12 disciples. These he, are the only three gave nicknames to you. Picks 12 disciples. He says, Peter, come here. I, his name was Simon. Simon, come here. I don't like your name. That's his sister's name. I'm going to give you a new name and call you Peter. It's called, you're going to be the rock. It means the rock. James and John, he nicknamed, the Bible says, he nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Now, these are his cousins. These are Salome's kids, Mary's sisters. So what do you do? Well, he takes his three cousins. He gives them nicknames. They're the only ones that got nicknames. Why? Because they're going to be closer to him than anybody else. What does Jesus know about them? They're mean as snot. What do you know about your cousins, Jesus? Mean as snot. Fishermen. Bad boys. What'd you do? Well, I gave them new names put biker vest on them. Yeah, biker vest. <sighs> think about it. Can you imagine going into that church back then? Uh, is this church? Uh huh. I need some help. Imagine three bikers meet you in the lobby we help you? See, I'm here to see the pastors. Well, pastors, what can we do for you? I'm the rock and is the sons of thunder. (laughs) Got our names on the back of our vest. (laughs) Jesus did not pick wimpy people. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. If you want something for you and your family, you're going to have to go whip something. This is not a Santa Claus story. But oh, that's good. Like this in Mark 5, Jairus's daughter gets raised from the dead. Jesus permitted no one to go into that room with him except Peter, James, and John. At the Mount of Transfiguration, Mark 9, Jesus is up there praying. All of a sudden, he's transfigured before them. Elijah and Moses appear. The only three with him there are Peter, James, and John. In Gethsemane, Mark 14, he takes Peter, James, and John. I don't care what he went through. When it got tough, He's already picked the twelve. They're different from the multitude. He's got twelve. But when he wanted, when he started facing hell face to face, okay, I gotta go face hell. Uh, Peter, you, James, and John, you come with me. Why? We're going here to face hell. We're going to go whip some hell, and I need you with me. Why? They're the bad boys. Every time it got tough in ministry, raising a dead person, he always had Peter and James. What you know? Uh, why are you taking them? Because I know them. Well, you know about them, They'll whip something. Now, I'm going to have to temper them. They're going to cut some ears off. I'm going to have to put them back on. I mean, I'm going to have to control them, but they have potential. <laughs> because we've got to go build a church, and the devil doesn't want you to build a church or build a family or build a life. If you're going to do it, you've got to go whip something. And the only offensive weapon you possess is the word of God. Quit crying to God. Get his word in you and start saying it. You've got to start saying what God said. Oh, I love that story. And then all of a sudden, you come down here to the end at the cross. John's sitting down there. Jesus looks down at his mother and said, "Mother, behold John. There's your new son." Because John was the one that laid his head on Jesus' chest. You ever wonder why Jesus picked John? Why did Jesus pick John to give his mother to? Because John's the one that pressed in the closest. I want what you got. At the Last Supper, John's the one that said, "I don't care what you're going through. I'm with you. Then I'll give my mother to you. You can be my, my mother's new son. I need somebody that's aggressive. The righteous are as bold as a lion that wicked flee when no man pursues." I don't care what report you just got. Financial, medical, me, I don't care what it is. What is that? That's a lie from the devil. If you know the word is meant, well, God said with a long life, well, they said you're gonna die early. God said, I'm gonna live long. What are you gonna do? Whip a devil. God said, You're getting laid off. I can't get laid off. I'll lose my house. My karma hits after I've out of college. Well, that's a lie from the devil. God said he'd meet all my needs and taking my job he'd meet my needs. That's the devil. I'm not gonna cuss my boss and burn wood in a barrel outside the gate. I'm gonna to have to go after the devil. He's the thief trying to take what belongs to me you got to get it simplified. What's going on? The devil thinks he's going to take something from me. I was, I've, t- I've done this. Now, we've all got, I mean, we're doing stuff right now. We, I've been trying 10 years to take curriculum. The one thing God told me to do, take curriculum, 11 curriculum, so I can be where I'm not at. We've done it twice, and I did it real bad. I, sunk t- I put $20,000 for our money, $10,000 each time, what I thought was a real expensive curriculum to do curriculum. When I did it and I finished, I thought, God would not be pleased with that. That is junkie. I'm not putting my name on that. What'd you do? I just lost $10,000 of my money. Did you have it? Nope. That was a really dumb thing to do. It made things really tight. So we're getting ready to do it in two weeks. It's taken 10 years. I should have done it 10 years ago. It's taken me 10 years. so we've hired a professional company with directors and producers and five cameras and a really old building downtown Tulsa on the fourth floor. And we got, it, it's incredible. I mean, it's costing 31000 just to tape it, just to tape it. If you told me that 10 years ago, <laughs> I ain't done that. That's because I wasn't ready. <laughs> God said, are you going to do this for me? Or Denise told me one time the scariest thing my wife's ever told me, the scariest thing I've ever been told, 40 years of marriage. Denise never gets mad Harley. hardly ever. That's what's scary sometimes. She says stuff that you ought to be mad when you say that because that's really messing with me. She said, Joe, does it not scare you that you're not doing what God asked you to do? I said, what? God asked you to do this correctly. Does it not scare you you're not doing what God asked you to do? I said, babe, I'm working hard. I'm real busy. And we're traveling all over America. My God, nobody's preaching more than I'm preaching. Yeah, but you're not doing what God told you to do. I said, well, "What?" Joe, does never bother that maybe if you don't do what God's called you to do, he'll just take you home early and give it to somebody else to do? if he does, I'll simply cash in your life insurance and marry somebody else. <laughs> now, you can laugh. I'm not making this up. And she was just real calm. I'll just marry somebody else. No, you know. when I get to heaven, I'll introduce you to my new husband. <laughs> now, really, I'd like for you to stay. But that's up to you. Maybe you'd like to start doing what God asks you to do. Yes, I will. So in two weeks, kumbaya. We all go through it. Even people that preach it, what are you doing? I'm going to have to press in. And why? I'm going to have to whip a bigger devil. You know, Joyce Myers says it all the time. Higher levels, bigger devils. We to do? I'm going to, to believe God more than I'm believing right now. Well, you're stretched. I'm already stretched. What are you going have to do? Stretch some more. God loves people that stretch. You understand that? I don't care what you think God's called you to do. There's going to be opposition. Well, God said we're going to get married. Then everything goes wrong. God said, we're going to have a baby, and everything goes wrong. God said, we're going to start this new business, and everything goes wrong. What is that? He's a thief. He opposes. That's why you've got to press in. That's why you've got to know, are you sure? Yeah, I'm a child of God. I heard the voice of God. Well, here we have Salome. Now, let me just read this real quick. Give me two more minutes here. This is Salome. This is one mean woman, wife of Zebedee. Hmm. Just a few scriptures. Mark 15, she served Jesus during his ministry. When Jesus would come to Galilee, he would go to Salome's house. She would fix dinner for him there. She always ministered to him. In Matthew 20, 17, I mentioned this morning, she pushed for promotion of her sons. Jesus is going into Jerusalem to be crucified. He's just told them, they're going to crucify me on the third day. I will rise again. Then immediately, immediately after, says, I'm going to die. I'm going to get crucified. I'm going to rise from dead. And as soon as it comes out of his mouth, she hits the ground in front of him and grabs his coattail. Jesus, can I ask you a favor? Well, yes. What is it? says, he said, well, would you please grant that my two sons can sit one on your right one on your left when you come into your kingdom? Now, Jesus, the son, he's walking. Hey, boys, I'm going to Jerusalem. They're going to kill me. I'm going to die. I'm going to raise from the dead in three days. And me, that woman, hits <coughs> hey, by the way, I appreciate that story. But by the way, can I ask you a favor? When this thing gets through, can my boys sit next to you? And I always love that story. What is it? That's a mother. Well, don't be a pushy mom. Dear God, be, please be a pushy mom. Be a shovey mom. Be a pushy mom. Be a loving mom. Get in their face. You're going to do what's right. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) Mark 15, she was at the cross. Here's what it says There were also women looking from afar, along with Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph, and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was at Galilee, and many other women. She's there at the cross and on the resurrection, Mark 16. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices to anoint him. That woman was everywhere Jesus was. Why? She knows Mary. Now, 80% of all scholars say Salome and Mary were sisters. Now, whether you believe it or not, I believe it. And so, what happened? When you know about Mary? She just had the son of God. He's come to save the entire world. And all my boys in the middle of what God's doing. They left my husband, who needs help with his business, but they left the boats to go follow G. Why? He's the son of God. And I want them in the middle of what God's doing. And, buddy, she pushed. You read her whole life where Jesus was, that woman was there. You don't get it coming to you. You've got to go chase God. And so if you read about Peter, James, and John, man, they changed the world. They changed the You know, James died as a martyr. Peter died as a martyr. But not after they changed the known world and changed Jerusalem. You know, John, they said they couldn't boil. They tried to boil John in oil. And he wouldn't boil. And it scared them. That's why they put him out on the Isle of Patmos. That's where he wrote the book of Revelation. Now, I don't know whether you believe that or not. I really don't care. Personally, I think it probably happened. He won't boil. Why do you think that's true? Well, because the four Hebrew children wouldn't burn. I mean, what's boiling if you can't burn? They can't boil. What happened to them? They won't burn. That's scary. What happened to him? He won't boil. That's scary. That's scary. So it comes on here. So that says she's at the resurrection. And then here's where it comes. This is it. Give you these two mothers. Closing, these two mothers, incredible. This is Douglas MacArthur's mother whose name was Pinky, Pinky MacArthur. Douglas MacArthur, you know, great general, his father was Arthur MacArthur. They weren't much on names. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas MacArthur my dad would tell me every day, so here's what my dad would say, constant message, you are to do what's right no matter what the personal sacrifice he said, my dad told me that every day. You are to do what's right. I don't care what the personal sacrifice. You do what's right. His mother, Pinky, would tuck him into bed at night, and here's what she would say. You must grow up to be a great man like your father. And I wonder how many of us were tucked into bed and told that by our mothers. Now, I want you to grow up and be just like your father. He's a great man. Was he perfect? There are no perfect men. He's a great one. Watch this. MacArthur said this, because of my parents' I knew that I was born to rule and I was born to greatness. Because he was an arrogant individual. You ever seen the movie? Have mercy, that man had boldness. He was rejected into West Point twice, flunked the entrance exam twice. When he flunked the entrance exam, his mother moved from San Antonio and took an apartment right across from West Point to tutor him to get him ready so he could pass. The third time he took the test, he passed. Great people fall on their face going where they're going. Let me say it. great people fall on their face going where they're going. Most only charismatics fall on their face. Well, it must not have been the will of God or I wouldn't have fallen down. Shut up. Get up, spit the dirt out of your mouth, grab the plow, and start moving again. Oh, dear God, that's good. So he took an apartment overlooking the West Point Academy grounds when he got accepted. Now, this is in his biography. He said when he got accepted, he said he'd be doing his homework in the evening and every Sunday he'd look out the window. And his guys in the room with him, three other guys said, what are you looking at? My mom what yeah my mom's got the apartment across from the parade grounds up there see the second floor yeah you see that thing in the window what is that it's a telescope <laughs> I'm not making this up this is true a what yeah it's a telescope my mom looks at me every night make sure I'm doing my homework <laughs> who are you I'm Douglas MacArthur and that's my mom don't mess with her her name's Pinky didn't put that in the movie. Four years later, General Douglas MacArthur graduated first in his class in 1903 with the highest GPA that had had happened in 28 years. Nobody had had a higher GPA than him. This is the guy that flunked out of junior high, and his mom said, you're not going to flunk nothing ever again, and took over his life. When he couldn't make it into the academy, she moved him next door and tutored him. You're going to go somewhere, son. Well, I guess it's just not God's will. I guess it's not. Oh, no. No, trust me. It's the will of God, and this will come to pass. Now, this. listen to this. He won the Medal of Honor, although he was nominated for it three times. His father was a Medal of Honor winner. Kind of a different family, I guess, isn't it? He won the Distinguished Service Cross, the Armored Distinguished Service Cross five times. The Silver Star seven times, the Bronze Star, the Purple Heart twice, the Distinguished Flying Cross. He fought in three major wars, World War I, World War II, and the Korean War. He was only one of five men to rise to the rank of General of the Army. Who is that? That's Pinky MacArthur's son, who flunked out a junior, huh? Somebody's got to press in. Well, it's just not convenient. Nothing's convenient. Nothing's convenient. Nothing's convenient. If every time you have a test, you back up, the devil, he'll, crawl. he'll call for demons he'll press in. You back up, he'll call for demons he'll, I'm telling you, back up and he'll press in. We're to resist him. We're to take ground. We're to move in and take what God's promised us. It's our right. Our seed grow up to be mighty upon this planet. Wealth and riches be in our house. Our spouse sucking the lips off our face. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4. Susanna Wesley. Give me two more minutes here. Susanna Wesley, daughter of a London pastor, the youngest of 25 kids. <laughs> now who are you? What? Well, what's your name? Susanna. Who are all these kids? These are my brothers and sisters. Can you imagine? The parents are, my God, kid, which one are you? I'm number 25. Sit down. <laughs> she was educated at home with lessons supplemented by her intellectual atmosphere because her father had many scholar visitors she married Samuel Wesley a pastor when she was 20 and he was 28 she gave birth to 19 babies kumbaya one scholar described the Wesley children as a cluster of bright vehement, violent argumentative boys and girls (laughs) my god whose kids are those? those are Susanna Wesley's don't mess with meanest snot god those are mean kids Susanna was a strong supporter of King James who had been overthrown by William, his Dutch son-in-law, in in 1702. During family prayers that night, Samuel prayed for King William, the new king, and she refused to say amen. I'm not praying over him. He shouldn't be there. (laughs) Well, here's what her husband, who's a pastor, said. Suki, which is what he called her, Samuel said. said, if you can't do this, if we must part because we have two kings and we must have two beds. And he left her and the 19 children the pastor left his wife and the kids because she would not pray for the new king. (laughs) And So five months later, the king died he came back. The next baby that was born was John Wesley, who saved Europe. Incredible what God does. Susanna Wesley started every family gathering in the evening by singing psalms, praying, and a short sermon from her husband's library to make sure that each child knew the Lord. Every week, she spent one hour a week with each child. Okay, it's your turn today. Come here. One hour a week with each kid. Come here. And the hour she would spend, she would make sure that she knew they were saved. You saved? How do you know you're saved? Quote me something. Because the Bible says, now after two or three witnesses, the thing is established. So Susanna made sure her kids knew Jesus. She'd pound on it. Then here's my favorite one. She prayed every day for an hour. John and Charles said that, you know, if mom was praying, you know, she couldn't find a room to pray. She would pray in the kitchen. She would put a chair in the middle of the kitchen floor and flip her apron up over her head. Now, can you imagine? Now, at that time, there was only 11 kids in the house. Here's a lady. You walk in the house like, is there anybody here? Uh-huh. Mom's here. And kids are yelling about some of her Like, Where's your mother? She's in the kitchen. What's she doing? She's praying. You shouldn't bother her right now. What's she doing? Well, that's her with the apron over her head. Don't bother. She's praying. If you bother, she'll hit you. <laughs> I'm just telling what the biography said. Anyhow, she prayed one hour a day for a family. From her home came John Wesley, who would create a spiritual awakening and change the course of English history by initiating a nationwide revival. And Charles Wesley, who's remembered for the 9,000 hymns that he wrote. Where'd it come from? A praying, aggressive mother. If you don't get aggressive, you don't pray, nothing happens. Now, I'll leave you with this scripture tonight. I love this. This is the book of Jude, last one. This is a great passage. God's talking about the last days. Here's what he says in the book of Jude. I'm just going to jump in at verse 14. Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people living in the last days. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones, that's us by the way, to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people, what people? The people that God's come to judge. These people are grumblers and complainers. When Jesus comes back on the big horse, you know, the prink, come back to earth, who's he coming after? Grumblers and complainers. (laughs) That ought to be a bumper sticker. Jesus is coming. Grumblers, complainers. These are grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their own desires. They brag loudly loudly about themselves. They flatter others to get what they want. But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ said. They told you that in the last days there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. But you, and here it is, but you, dear friends, here's what you need to do. You must build each other up on your most holy faith. Now, how do I build myself up on my faith? Faith comes by hearing him hearing by the Word of God. What's the most important thing I can do in the next decade? I might want to read some of this. Build yourself up on your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, kumbaya, shandai, Hikimon, who stole a mahonda. My family thinks that's the good. Are you one of them Pentecostals? Yes, I am. Charismatic, Pentecostal, tongue talking. I don't jump cues. My leg won't get that high. I get a little excited every now and then. You pray in tongues? Uh Uh-huh. I've had my family members. Can you do that for us? Sure. You want me to do it right now? You want to sit down or you want to stand up? Something might happen. You're a kid. No, I'm just kidding with you. I'm just with you. I can pray in tongues while I eat a peanut butter sandwich. I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm telling you the truth. Can you do it? Sure. You want to hear me? And they say, yeah. And I say, okay. You want to count to three or just start? And they'll just look at you. And what is that when you're doing that? I'm praying the perfect will of God for me and my family. When I don't know what it is, the Holy Ghost in me, who raised Jesus from the dead with the not of the devil, that's who's praying for me. You don't want to mess with him. He's praying the perfect will of God to the Father through me, for me. It's incredible. I can do it while I'm mowing the grass. I can do it while I'm driving to work. I can pray in the Holy Ghost without even thinking about it. It's an incredible way God's given us to get the power of God moving through our life. Mm-mm-mm. Pray in the Holy Ghost, and watch this, watch this, and await the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you into eternal, watch this, to eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love or the King James. Keep yourself in the love of God. Keep your faith built up, pray in the Holy Ghost, and keep yourself in the love of God. Why? Well, this is what will happen. Then you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Don't judge people, go rescue them. Don't judge people that sin. Got drunk, fornicated, messed up, stole something. Don't judge them. Go rescue them. Ooh, that's good. Rescue the others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others. But do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Now, all glory to God who's able to keep you from falling away. Well, now put that on a bumper sticker. And bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. (laughs) What? I go to hell without any fault? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, but I've messed up. But do you repent? Yes, and there's no record of it. In heaven's a book. My name owns the end of it. I don't care how many times I've sinned or what I've done. Every day, if I've repented and forgave, those pages are soaked in the blood of Jesus. They're not legible. They're not legible. You sinned? Yeah, but I repented. There's no record of it. <laughs> Plead the blood. You notice saying man, I don't even teach on the blood tonight. I, I, that would be incredible. The blood's powerful. Jesus paid for me. I'm bought. I'm owned by God. I got it made. Angels camp around round about me, Psalm so 91, to keep me from the evil that's in the world. God talks to me when I go to sleep in that, Proverbs six twenty talks to me when I wake up and walk during the day. He orders my steps, directs my path, guides me to all truth, shows me things to come. He surrounds me with a shoulder of divine favor. People like me don't even know why. Why? He said he would. Are you perfect? Dear God, no. Ask my wife. I'm not perfect now. I'm growing in grace and mercy, but I'm not there. You don't earn this. That's a religion. This is the grace of God. So he says this, all glory to him alone who is God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, all majesty, power, and authority are his before all time in the present and beyond all time to come. Amen. The greatest decade in human history. If I could leave you with something to do, go home tonight, tomorrow, sometime, get you out a yellow pad or get a white piece of paper. I don't care what you get. Get you a piece of paper and just write some stuff down. What do you want? This sounds carnal, but I believe in this. God said he give you the desires of your heart. What do you want? What? What do you want? I do this to my kids. What do you want? Like what? I don't know. It's your life. What do you want? you want anything at all? Anything? Well, there's some things I want. Like, well, like what? Like a better car. Why? Well, my hood's busting. The transmission's like, that would be good. So let's put another car. Like a nice vehicle. Will God give me that? Well, not if you don't ask. You can keep the junk one if you want you need a better car well, the air conditioner doesn't work and boy it's been hot this summer we've set a record in Oklahoma man it was 34 days Well, over 100 and your air conditioner's not working how do you use that work when you get to work and you're sweating like a stuck pig would you like your air conditioner to work you not think you deserve an air conditioner only rich people have air conditioners what is it in your theology so we write down I need a good car with a good air conditioner wonderful we're going to start praying for that what else would you like well you know I got some debts what kind of debts well college debts other debts well how long you want them I don't know, I'll be paid off another 24 years. Oh, well, praise God. That'd be good. Would you like to pay them off early? Can I? I don't know, can you? I don't know, God seems to, you know, if you can walk on water and float an axe head, he could help you pay off your college debt, I guess. It's just up to you. Do you want to keep paying it? Because I'm not going to pay for it. Well, sure, okay, pay off your college debt. That'd be good. A car with an air conditioner, pay off your college debt. Anything else on your mind? Well, my sprinkler system in yard's not working, and I look really bad in the neighborhood because my grass is dead. Okay, dead grass. That's not good. We don't need dead grass. We need a sprinkler system. Why doesn't it work? I don't know. So could you call somebody? Well, I don't have the money to call somebody. Well, maybe we can believe God to get some money to call somebody and fix your sprinkler system. Anything else? Well, the dryer door won't stay shut unless I put duct tape on it. Well, that'd be good. We don't need a duct tape dryer. We need a dryer door that stays shut. There are heathens whose dryer doors stay shut. You're a Christian. Why shouldn't your door stay shut? Let's believe God for a dryer whose door stays shut. Are y'all following me at all? You have not. Because you yes, asked not. But what the devil does whenever time somebody leaves a service, if you don't get carnal with them, that's only about spiritual stuff. Where did you read that at? Peter's mother in law sick, puking, she's sick, and she's mean as not. And why don't we get her healed so she get up and cook us something? That'd be good. And Jesus healed her. Peter can't find any tax money. I got no tax money. I got no tax money. I should have, but I don't. Business has been bad. I got no tax money. Shut up. Grab that fish. What? Shut up and grab that fish. I got it. Open its mouth. What? Open its mouth. And all of a sudden, the money fell out. There you go. God, you got any more fish down there like that? Get some more. (laughs) Open their mouth. (laughs) This is not a fantasy. This is truth. I will supply all your needs. According to my riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. I will load your steps. You'll be in the right place at the right time. I didn't say everything goes smooth. I'm going to send you somewhere to solve problems and to fix stuff. I'm going to stick you in the midst of a storm and let you fix everything. <laughs> Woo! It's like going to Disney and never coming home. It's going to be an exciting life. Let's stand up. We're going to pray. Pinky MacArthur. Pinky MacArthur. Susanna Wesley. Mother, I will promise you, don't ever let the devil lie to you. You have great faith. Your faith works. There are no perfect children. The greatest thing you'll ever pray over your kids, I will give again. If you don't have it, you go out and get the card out there. I love this thing right here. Pray this. I'll pray it tonight without reading the card. Father, I thank you for teaching my children to fear you for the fear of God's beginning of wisdom. And I ask and thank you for liberal wisdom. James says, if I lack wisdom, I can ask of God. God, I ask you for liberal wisdom for Sarah, Jessica, Corey, Tessler, and John. What kind of wisdom? The kind that leads to long life, riches, and honor. Father, I want you to surround my children with a shield of divine favor. I don't care who they're working with, under or over. I pray for a shield of divine favor because the devil uses people to attack people, not mine. Mine walk with divine favor. And number three, I thank you for godly friends because you don't grow unless you get other people in your life. As iron strikes iron, so the countenance of a friend. Father, I ask you and thank you for great godly friends in my children's life that will strike iron, cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. Give God something to work with. Listen, this is so so simple. Get your own cards. Go buy some three-by-five cards. Find something you believe in God for. Find you at least three scriptures. If you don't know them, call pastor. He'll give you a book. Read in your Bible. Look up in the concordance. You need money, find some scriptures that promise that God bless you. There's all kinds of scriptures about getting out of debt. But they can't happen, you don't start praying them. Father, I've been stupid. I really got myself in a mess. I know. We've been watching. Woo, it's a mess. Well, Lord, I believe God you can get me out of a mess. Yes, I can. I would love to. You haven't earned it. You don't deserve it. But I'm real stinking good, and I love to show off through people who don't deserve it and you start giving God something to work with by quoting scripture, angels will start moving on your behalf. And people ask you, what happened to you? I found Jesus. He's real good, and I'm blessed. Some of you are going to grab this and run with it. Some of you are going to think about it for a while. Some of you are going to remember it about a year from now when you realize, my oh God, I need to start doing that. I was one of the year guys. I remember when I went to it and heard it the first time. Well, that's just stupid. Then we got laid off, and you know things got bad. Like, where's that scripture stuff we heard? Now I remember we got our severance check, which wasn't a lot, but you know we could eat. And Denise said, "Joe, we need to start doing something. We're gonna have to start trusting God. Our life's not going good." I know that, babe. What do you think? She said, "I want you to write that severance check and just write you down one back and give it to the church tonight." Not my severance check. That's what I'm going to eat with. You could lose some weight there were other things that got said I'm trying to clean it up and so I wrote that severance check to the church that's my severance pay How am I going to pay my rent I'm going to make it well I got odd jobs I painted the houses and I did some carpentry work you know and I hired myself out as much and that was when I got my first break Saxon Missouri Triangle Wire and Cable Bill Clark called me hey Joe how'd you like to come work for us I'd like to work for anybody I don't have a job In Saxon Missouri so what do you want to hire me to do? Because I've been a lab technician. I want to hire you as an engineer. I can't be an engineer. I don't have my degree. No, we'll send you back to school. We need you. You know what this business needs. I'll hire you as an engineer, and we'll send you not to school, but I need to hire you as an engineer. What's my salary? There's a hundredfold return on that check I wrote to the church. <laughs> There's a God in heaven. It's not overnight. It doesn't happen in one day, but it will happen. Some of you need to listen to your spouse. They're a gift from God, not a demon from hell. (laughs) Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free, keeps us free. Father, I thank you for the truth we've learned tonight about scripture, about your word, about our offensive weapon, about declaring what you say about a situation, not what we're looking at. Now, Father, we're realists. We live in a real world. We're dealing with stuff every day. We understand that. But, Father, we're a different kind of creature. We're children of God. We belong to a different kingdom. We're not of this world. We're in it. We're not of it. So, Father, we're going to begin to act like the children of God that we are. We're going to start acting like Jesus acted and doing what Jesus did. We're going to walk in love toward other people. We're going to help other people. We're going to be a blessing to other people. But, Father, we're going to begin to declare your word over our circumstances. We thank you tonight. That your word is true. You said that. Let God be true in every man a liar. So tonight, Father, if we're blinded in any area, in Jesus' name, take that blindness off our minds and lighten the eyes of our understanding. Father, if anybody here tonight, Lord, I'm praying. There's some people I know that have heard this tonight. This a light bulb's going on. Father, help us. Do not let us lose what we've learned tonight. Holy Ghost, do your job and put it deep into our soul what we've learned tonight. We're going to start acting like believers. We're going to be a bigger blessing. We're going to do bigger things. We're going to think bigger thoughts, Father. Forgive us for pulling back. They're righteous or as bold as a lion. Tonight, I pray for a great spirit of boldness on every one of us. May we face this next decade with a great excitement, Lord. We're going to start trusting you like never before. May this year become a jubilee year for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Now look at me, and I want you to say this. I believe in saying something. You've got to start something. Say this after me. He said, I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed and I am blessed I am the head not the tail I am above and not beneath everything I set my hand to prospers I am surrounded with a shield of divine favor and I have godly friends coming into my life to strike iron with me and cause me to grow I thank you for it father In Jesus' name, give the Lord a hand clap, would you? Amen.